Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 10, season 20. Uh, the reason why it's called episode 10 is because last week I did the intro for episode 8, but all the listings you will find on Podbean, on iTunes, on Spotify, on our website, will list it as episode 9. So, uh, I'm just going to pretend that it didn't happen and just call this one episode 10 and nobody needs to know. So there you go. Um, right, so uh, this week, we, we, we'll, the kind of the boys are back in town, well, kind of part of the boy band's back with us anyway. Uh, hello, Jack Bangin. Hello, how are we doing? I think uh, I think a lot of people will, uh, you know, kind of be happy to forget last week's episode, the amount of uh, put into rights we did and uh, the amount of political infusion that was applied. I think uh, I think a lot of people will be happy just to commit last week's episode to the memory banks. Thing. That, that was that was quite that was quintessentially um, for drunk men. <laughs> That's what happens when you daytime drink. <laughs> So there you go. There you go. Uh, no, it wasn't. We weren't drunk at all. We were just, yeah, we were just high on life, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. No, uh, I, I really enjoyed last week's because, as ever, it didn't really fundamentally have a plan to it, Jack, and it just kind of naturally evolved. So, uh, so no, I think um, things that we talked about last week are things that probably have gone through most rally fans' uh, heads um, over the last three months. I'd be staggered if they, if they hadn't. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, and uh, yeah, I think we, I think we, the, the, there must have been some sense between the three of us across the the. the, the I like the way you said between the three of us. There was actually four of us. Oh so, yeah, of course it was four altogether, wasn't it? I just consider myself not a person. That's all it is. I just, I just count you, you Ryan and and Trev, and then I'm just like. I'm like, uh, you know, when you, you have those like existential moments in life where you're like looking down on yourself doing something or you just don't really feel like you're actually there. That's that's what it's like on Absolute Rally. You experimented a lot in university, didn't you, Jack? Um, <laughs> right. Um, and moving on. So the other, the other the other chuckling voice that you heard in the background is friend of the show who 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 not only has been on the program before, he was part of our 95 special as well, which uh, I got a really nice message about the other day. Thank you again. People still messaging about that. Uh, Jamie Arkell. Hello. Hi guys, how you doing? Uh, we're good. We're good. Um, thank you for thank you for coming on and joining us because you, you you prompted something within. Um, obviously, you're 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 the man behind the fabulous gravel crew, which has just got this unique and ultra cool following. I wish I was only part of that particular gang, to be honest with you, Jamie. Um, it's not but, like crap rally cars, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, Something which has kind of been playing on my mind for for, for, for quite some time, I suppose for fun, because we've had a lot of time to think about stuff over the last three months. Um, it, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of a, 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 in a fun way. Um, you know, I, I, walk, I was watching a program, kind of uh, a football one, kind of, you know, gaffes and stuff like that, where you'll see, you know, somebody... Uh, either kick the ball into the crowd and knock somebody out or the goalkeeper drops the ball, whatever it may be. So the the, the, the fundamental term of dropping the ball, and that made me think of, uh, you know, the times that perhaps the ball is being dropped uh, in rallying in WRC or, you know, it, uh, in, in other forms. But I suppose WRC is the one that we all recognise because that's the most high profile. And then sure enough, uh, within about a, a fortnight of me having those thoughts and thinking probably should do something like that, Jamie Arkell, you you set up 
dropping of the ball, WRC mistakes and mishaps on the page. And I thought, do you know what? Rather than kind of bastardise, to use a word, what Jamie's already done, we should probably tap into what Jamie's already done, get Jamie involved, and that's how it came about. So I suppose where we start is, Jay, where did it, where did this particular idea come from for you? And what are your, is it favourites? A favourites the right term for something like this? I think I've always found myself quite drawn to sort of how sport in general, how sort of outside factors or small, seemingly insignificant decisions can have huge ramifications. And you know, rallying's far from unique in this, but it does seem more pronounced, I guess, because it's such a team sport. There's so there's so many opportunities for things to go awry, both you know from service park upwards, really. Um, and uh, you know that that sort of just be an event to think about the things that we could have seen had different decisions being taken um, and of course that opened the floodgates to all manner of things be it you know decision to change suspension strut at some point and running out of time to you know wider things that are sort of incorporated with things outside of rallying like the car industry itself um, Jack you and I before we started kind of recording this we, we, we kind of bounced around a, f- a few ideas and again I'm going to use another football analogy but um, you know there's not many times when the ball being dropped to use a term is being used for, for drivers. And I'm, I'm, I count myself as a little bit of a driver, Jack, as I've said before. But uh, yeah, thanks for laughing at that. Cheers, mate. Um, <laughs> but um, drivers to me are almost um, like an outfield player. So an outfield player in football can kind of get away with a little bit of a mistake. Uh, whereas a goalkeeper, when he makes a mistake, is, is a massive gaff. Mm. Um, so Jack, I suppose what I'm saying to you is, uh, have you got thoughts and memories of, of, of a ball being dropped metaphorically for you? Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, I, I did, I did do some extra reading last night. I'll, I'll be honest, uh, not everything was absolutely clear in the memory, but as much as, uh, Jamie's post kind of attracted a lot of comments about, um, you know, rule decisions and uh, decisions by championships or, or governing bodies and, and things like that. I always find those a little bit less interesting personally, just because they, they, they always come back to money, those decisions in some way, shape or form. There's always someone being pleased. There's always, um, you know, a manufacturer being appeased into making sure it's there next year. Or, you know, you can you can trace back a lot of the rules decisions and, and things like that in, in WRC and indeed motorsport history back to, to those points. So I enjoy the kind of human gaffes, uh, you know, a, a lot, lot more. And I, I did pick out a few of my favourites. I think my all-time favourites has, has got to be uh, Francois Delacour's Ferrari F40 crash in 1994 which I don't know if we've discussed this at length on the podcast before I know we've mentioned it in passing but for anyone who doesn't know the story basically um, Delacour won the the Monte after a uh, you know, one of his favourite events and one that, you know, was is, was always really important to him and a lot of people remember him in the Q8 Sierra going sideways on the snow and stuff like that. But, you know, 94 was a, a big win against the might of, of Toyota with Oriol and Kankinen and then had engine trouble in Portugal the, the round after. And then after that, he made the the poor decision to take out his mate's Ferrari F40 uh, on, on the road and give it a spin. And uh, safe to say it didn't go so well, the uh, the F40, which are worth quite a few money today, if you want to, quite a bit of money today, if you want to look them up. Um, they're very, very rare. He, uh, he halved it pretty much and did a lot of damage to himself. And I just quite like, I, I really like toying with the idea of the fact that obviously he missed a few rounds after that and he, he came back uh, for Finland. But I really like toying with the fact that Mackinnon took his car over and then 
1000 likes in 94 and that's like spewed some uh, alternate reality in my head where Delacour goes to Mitsubishi for 95 and <laughs> Mackinnon doesn't win any of his four titles with Mitsubishi <laughs> McRae is like a three or four time champion depending on how you want to add up points and start uh, going down that route but yeah I just think it's mad how uh, you know one silly decision from Delacour basically you know it, that that really hindered his career and you know a lot of people see him as a bit of a folk hero and obviously he's a bit of a mercurial character um uh, unusual to say, to say the least but one that we all love and someone you always want to hear at the end of a stop line or at the end of a stage so I just find it you know that, that one mistake of crashing his mate's road car basically uh, you know could have massively changed the course of WRC history and for someone as interesting as Delacour I, I find that story really interesting but there's, there's so many you can pick out and I'm sure you guys have both got you know um, some, some ones that we can talk about as well I've got I've got a few, but just 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 quickly on 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 Delacour. Um, the, the 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 I've never been uh, to use the term wigged or or or, or blank or whatever you want to put it. But I remember approaching him in Monte Carlo, and this was it wasn't uh, probably six years ago, maybe seven years ago, and I bumped into him in a cafe uh, in Casino Square. I thought I really want to go and talk to him. And, and my missus was with me and she went, just go and talk to him. You, you, you talk to everybody. I went, yeah, fine. And he just completely, utterly blanked me. But, but oh, in, really? normal, in normal circumstances, I probably would be like, do you know what? I don't like that guy, but it makes me want to speak to him even more. I don't know if it's because he's playing hard to get with me or what, but I still would like to speak to him. But anyway, there you go. It's not too much of trying. And, and I've even tried to get him for the podcast since then as well. But anyway, there you go. There you go. So sorry, Jay, you, you were about to say one then as well. I was going to say, I choose to believe that when you can count that Delacore, he was sitting there in a stripy jumper smoking a gold bar or something. <laughs> no, he was, he was, um, I'll tell you when it was, it, he was when he did the Monty in the, the, um, the Porsche. So mm-hmm. that would have been, was that 15 or 16? That was. In the GT class. Uh, uh, it would have been around 15 yeah. or 16. It's five or six years ago. Was it, it definitely the Mon- was it definitely the Monty? I can quite categorically tell you because I was sat in Casino Square. So yeah, unless absolutely. unless the liaison section was massive for another rally. <laughs> so fifteen it would have been. Yeah. Okay, fifteen. So that, that's how long ago it was. And I still I still I still hold I still hold a candle for him, basically, is what I'm saying to that. So um so yeah, but I, I I've got I've got a couple before we get into the, the the ones I wanted to get to. Have you got any that, that you spotted that the guys have put on the page, Jay, that you probably like, quite like to draw attention to? Yeah, I mean, some of them, quite a lot of them are regulations and rules-based. Um, and and it's sort of go back quite a lot of time. Group S cropped up a fair bit because I think its similarity to the eventual WIC rules mean that people feel we were sort of swizzed. And I always find that one quite interesting because of the, probably because it has a human element, because of uh, John, the Alester being quite a divisive figure and, and that's putting it mildly um, so all the different team managers had various different rendezvous with him and he was quite prone to sort of you know picks of uh, you know just flouncing off and stuff so I mean I think that delayed the entire programme and contributed to it not really finding its peak before Group B was eventually cold so I think there's a, you know, obviously a quite clear alternate reality where things could have panned out quite differently we'd have had 300 brake horsepower composite cars that probably would have led quite deeply on into the current era but you know we'll never know um, and then a more recent one that someone put up was uh, the uh, decision to go for the 2017 wing monster cars and not a R5 plus formula. Um, and this is something that, that always crops up and, and you can see why, because 
both options are very tantalising, aren't they? You know, it's, it's hard to deny that the current cars have been anything but brilliant to watch. I mean, it's, it's you know, people need some more rallies. Now, WRC rallies and I've been to for a good few years. But equally, the fact that they're so expensive, uh, so expensive to run, maintain, and even you know, the ability to actually use them outside of WRC events is, is so hard. Um, but it's not hard to see why it would have been better, perhaps, to go for a more cost-effective R5 with a, you know, a larger restrictor um, and certainly without the, the posh centre diff, we'd have had uh, you know, greater OEM involvement, hopefully. Uh, do, you, do you know what's interesting? Before I bring you in, Jack, because you, you prompted a point I was going to make to Jack. Now, I'm just going to ask the question. I suppose this is a dead yes or yes, dead easy yes or no one, this one, Jay. Um, you just said you've been to more WRC rounds um, with the, the 17 spec cars. Would you still have gone to those rounds if it was R5 Plus? I think so, yeah. Um, but I also would have gone if there were greater manufacturer involvement because, you know, it doesn't matter in a way. A car still looks quick going over a gravel straight 300 brake. You know, it's got 300 brake and smaller wings and mechanical diffs, in my view. And it's only heightened if you've got uh, you know, more variables in the mix because it's more than just Ford, Citroen and a few others. So, yes, I would, would have done, but it's hard to... <laughs> to equally deny that the, the new cars have made it so much more impressive to watch. And that's probably what's uh, prompted me to go further afield as well, you know, to Spain and Germany and a few others. Jack, uh, you know, being, being honest, um, kind of the calculation I was, I was kind of supposed back of a fag packet type calculation would have been, but I was just wondering how many, how many people we've gained from the 2017 regulations coming on screen. Uh, as opposed to, um, you know, going to the R5 plus, um, what have we lost or what would we gain? Do you, do, do, do you see the rough calculation I'm trying to work out there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, it's, uh, I think my my opinion of it is it was a a massive short term gain for a massive long term loss. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll try and explain that a bit better in in terms of um, if you if you kind of put yourself in a a teleport cycle and let's go back to the, the 2017 rules and just remember the kind of the, the interest around especially Toyota and, and their testing because obviously you know Mackinac getting the contract for that car was 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 big news anyway to rally fans and you know the the fact that the car might not be very good and that Ogier had turned it down and um you know even just the Toyota storyline on its own was was phenomenal we had no idea which car was going to be the best and uh, I still remember the first video I saw of the 2017 cars testing uh, like it was yesterday because they're just so different and so spectacular compared to anything we've seen before I think even well, the, you know, sorry, sorry to interrupt sorry to interrupt you, but the Toyota story was multi-layered anyway of course because at one point it was two two completely different programs by two different divisions almost yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, you know, a really mixed bag and a great story all on its own. But bringing the other manufacturers and seeing the Aero for the first time and, you know, seeing the cars break cover and people testing them and, you know, a good bit of drivers moving around as well. It was, you know, a perfect storm. And I'm sure, you know, it did bring a few people into the sport and created a bit of interest. But to be honest, I still think that that wouldn't have appealed um, long term to people who don't normally watch rallying so i think all we were doing there was getting people who were going to watch rallying anyway excited which which is great obviously you know please please yeah exactly pleasing your current fan base is always good but you know the, the wrc has got to the point where you know if we go back to you know jamie's uh, group s point and and, and group b that you know at that point 
rallying was bigger than Formula One. And if you separate that off now, you know, rallying is nowhere near as big as Formula One in terms of a, uh, as a business and industry or in terms of its following. So um, I think the better way to attract fans would have been to go for a lower cost formula. Um, you know, if you consider the fact that Toyota are probably spending as much on bodywork as some teams are spending on drivers, uh, just based on the you know the carbon wings and all this kind of stuff, um, the, the the sheer money involved is is incredible, and there's no one buying WRC cars from from teams now because they're so expensive, which I'm not saying would definitely happen anyway. You know, I think there's a there's a there's a there's a, a larger implication to what's going on with the kind of rallying pyramid that makes things difficult. But if you if you offer you know, a rallying program for, for 400 grand to a big manufacturer, they're m- much more likely to take it than if it's going to be a few million. So for me, I think I think the better decision would have been to go to R5, although the, the obviously the, the 2017 rules created a lot of interest. I'm going to bowl something into the pair here, okay? Call it, call it a googly or call it a, call it a grenade, whatever way you want to put it. If, if we wouldn't have went that route... Uh, and I think there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of pressure put on, on, on the coverage as well. I think, you know, all live, which we've all embraced and we all love it. We've had its glitches, but, you know, it has brought something different to what we didn't have before. But I think that was kind of also part of the whole 2017 package as well. Uh, you know, we're going to have these supercars all live and everything else. If perhaps, and just, just, uh, genuinely just the thought I had when you were saying all this, Jack, if perhaps, they would have went to an R5 Plus car and rolled out all live, subsidised to some degree, and I'm sure it already is, but maybe a little bit more subsidy from the manufacturers that are involved and the teams that are involved, and made that app free. So it's free to wear WRC, subsidised by the teams, with the savings they would have made going to a 2017 car. Would that have been for the greater good of the sport? Yeah, I think so. I think more people would have watched. Um, you know, as I said with the 2017 cars, you know, the people I saw tweeting about it and getting excited about it were, were current rally fans. And, you know, the odd person would tweet who, who you knew wasn't a rally fan and, and would say, you know, these cars look great. But are they watching every round? I, I don't think so. Um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, a wider free-to-air TV package would have been good. Um, and I think also, you know, as far as I can see, Hyundai are the only team that are actually using the WRC to advertise its cars properly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the only ones that you see with, a, you know, an advert on TV, for example, or, um, you know, uh, across YouTube. You know, Red Bull do a better job of, uh, you know, advertising the WRC teams than the WRC teams do. So, you know, in terms of footage and, and things like that, the, the programming that they do and the, the videos that they offer on YouTube, because, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a disconnect rallying in at the minute where, you know, the older fan base are obviously not going to be as YouTube savvy or, or necessarily want to watch a load of YouTube videos about rallying. They, they still want to watch it on Channel 5 on a Tuesday, uh, you know, after the events happened, whereas, you know, the, the, the people that WRC want to attract in, the younger fan base, you know, they want everything instantly and they want it all on, the, on their mobile immediately rather than wait until Tuesday on, on Channel 5 for, to, to use that example again. So, you know, there's a there's a disconnect in audience at the moment, especially in, it's, it's really exaggerated in motorsport because the fan base is older generally. So, um, and, and that, that older fan base is trying to attract in younger people and to do that, you have to upset one of the categories. So you either upset the older the older fan base by 
prioritizing the likes of, of YouTube and, and stuff like that more, or you, you know, upset the or, or reduce the, the likelihood of attracting new people in by prioritizing those older people. So it's a, you know, it's, there's no, uh, there's no golden bullet there. There's no, uh, there's no perfect answer that, you know, at some point you're going to, you're going to upset some people, which is, which is why you have to make the, the difficult decisions. Shame on you, Jamie, for only going to events because the 2017 car. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, do you, oh, I, I, I thought with it, obviously, well, both both you and Jack were on the 95 episode. And of course, we, we talked quite a lot about uh, what went on with, the, you know, from, from various teams points of view and stuff like that. But that ulterior alternative universe episode that, that that Jack's threatened that we should probably make where Francois Delacour was a four time world champion with Mitsubishi. I was just I, I was just thinking of, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was I was just thinking of course the big part of ninety five, it was an incredibly short season and the alternative universe of Carlos Sainz not going on it wasn't a mountain mm. bike, it was a motocrosser. If he wouldn't have went on that motocrosser, would we have had Colin McRae is a world champion. Would he have gone on to no. become the? No, I don't think so. Not not in a heartbeat. I, I, I admire Colin McRae, spectacular to watch, and it was my hero growing up. But um, I don't think I think that 1995 season took almost as much good fortune as it did being you know the huge amounts of skill on show. Um, and, and Carlos's you know, decision to do that is probably the primary reason. Um, do you, do you presume you feel otherwise? <laughs> no, I don't. I, you know what? I, I, I don't. And again, it was just it was just one of those things. As because Jack's just talked about an alternative universe, but maybe, maybe this episode should be rebranded because I've already started thinking about now different scenarios, uh, mm-hmm. alternative universe scenarios, and that was the I've, one. That, I've got another one. Go on, Jack. Uh, I think. Uh, McRae Rally Australia 2005 is massively well, underplayed. That's, that, that, that's on my pad. Skoda McRae mm-hmm. is on Very my good. pad. So was that a gearbox or was that clutch, clutch. related? Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a clutch change which they got uh, wrong basically. Um, apparently the the data the data the night before um, on the sister car was it Swartz in the sister car? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Mm. Yeah. The, the data showed something up with regards to the clutch plate, and they decided to change it precautionary. Um, and it wasn't. Le- it was left until that service where, it, if they would have looked at it properly or something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing the story ever so slightly. The full story, by the way, uh, from the man who was who, who was there, Nicky Grist, he did a fantastic two and a half hour podcast with Chris Harris. Um, mm. Seek it out because he tells the story. Uh, really, really well. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of short in the story, but basically it was a, uh, they'd looked at some data. It wasn't looked at completely or something the night before. And then it was revisited by a senior engineer in the morning who said, we should change the clutch. And that's what happened. Wait, um, which they, which they'd done on Chance's car in 22 minutes. Yeah. Earlier in the event. So there was no reason for it to take as long as it did. And I think, McRae, he definitely would have finished third, maybe second, depending on whether he'd have caught Robin Pera or not. You know, Loix was gone at that point, but, you know, there's a, there was a good chance that McRae was going to have second or third there. And I think if that had persuaded him to stay on for, for another year um, with Skoda as a manufacturer, I think that would have been a big sell for the WRC. And I think having McRae sticking around for a little bit longer would have been you know, very, very good for the WRC at a point where obviously Loeb was dominating and there was very little other storyline to talk about. 
you know in, in the championship so um you know we all we all know what happens colin and um he, he was taken far too soon but i think the if you go back to that 2005 that botched clutch change thing i think colin was uh pretty uh uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak on Colin's behalf, but I'm pretty sure he was uh, very upset at how that played out and wasn't really trusting in the team that that they were the right uh, sort of team to move forward. And obviously, they didn't do the WRC the next year in in full. Um, well, but, do, you, do you know the irony was at the time, and it's because, and this is well, I suppose the, the internet was uh, was very much around then, but it wasn't quite as predominant as what it is now. With, of course, you know, Facebook pages and you know, chat forums and stuff like that. But um, the big rumor at the time was. Um, it was going to go to a satellite team. The Skodas were going to go to a satellite team. Um, Dave Richards was involved with that because I think it was still, was it ISC at the time? It must have been, mustn't it? I think, mm-hmm. I think he was still the promoter or he was still involved with, as, as the promoter at the time. Um, and there was potentially a two car team with either him and Chris or him and Alistair, uh, in Skodas run by RED. <laughs> and I can remember that. I can remember that rumor being rife um, at the time, and uh, for whatever reason, it well, it didn't happen. And of course, Armin got the privateer deal with Red Bull Money. If you remember, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they were the limited program with Mateus Ekstrom as well. Um, Ekstrom, yeah. yeah, with the Red Bull because you remember it was the the Fabio with the Red Bull livery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he did very well in Sweden, didn't he? Extra, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, the rumor was it was going to be a private, you know, satellite team, um, and Red were meant to be the team that were going to that were going to be running because I think they'd ran Chris um, in a World Cup, I think on GB either that year or the year before, um, and obviously Jimmy's history with Red and. I think Colin had done some stuff in an RED car as well in his early career, but um, but yeah, there you go, there you go. Anyway, Jamie, where, where where were you about to go next? Then sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, no, no. Um, I suppose a similar one. I suspect it's one that everyone else has got down as well. It would be the uh, the Abu Dhabi sponsorship of the Evo WRCs that we sounds like we got very, very, very close to seeing. Um, you now that car clearly showing that it was uh, getting quicker and quicker um, as the years progressed. Uh, and I think they sort of finally turned a, t- turned a corner. Whether it would have been enough to you know, challenge Citroen at the height of their powers is, is hard to know. But there certainly would have been enough money to run a programme. And then, well, who knows? <laughs> well, uh, you, you, you may or may not remember this, Jay, but um, there's a picture on our Facebook page of that car in that livery. And that mm-hmm. picture... I've seen, that, the pro- I've seen a yeah. photo of it, yeah. That, that picture came from Ryan, because Ryan was... Shake car. It was the shakedown driver for Mitzi. <laughs> oh, but he was gutted. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Now, a guy from your neck of the woods, um, Jack, who doesn't co-drive anymore, but he was a really high-profile co-driver at the time. He was co-driving for um, for Johnny Milner in the BRC, Nicky Beach. And Nicky Beach was doing because he was from Chesterway, Nicky. Um, and Nicky was, uh, was very much involved in sitting with somebody for that programme. Um, 
and that program was so far developed that I know through a friend of a friend he'd already had his team kit his overalls <sighs> team wear jackets bags everything had all been sent to him uh, and then it all fell over oh, and yeah not to be well obviously the, I think the cars came out periodically didn't they ran privately but um, that was pretty much the end for, 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 for Mitzi there but um, Jack you, you, I know you you, you, you you do preparation and everything for these podcasts which is impressive um, a couple of a couple of other ones I suppose that you picked up on yeah I guess the, the two I've got left are co-driver related so uh, I always remember Beef leaving his pace notes in the service park <gasps> on, on the safari yeah. in 2002 <laughs> oh yeah ah right is the question is the question can you remember what they did can you remember yeah to follow a helicopter yeah well done yeah, that tells you all about you need to know about how much money was involved in the WRC there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the helicopters are so important on the safari back then, if you if you listen to them. I remember uh, Science, well, I remember Martin Wilkinson from CA1 telling me about Science um, ignoring the fact that his, uh, his wheel looked loose, uh, Martin being in the helicopter at the time, and uh, Science refused to pull over and change it, and uh, the wheel came off. So, yeah, the helicopters at that point were, were really important, obviously, in in the safari so yeah i always remember beef leaving his uh pace notes i always think about that if i'm ever doing a little mickey mouse event and think don't don't leave your pace notes in the garage after you've been uh, pace notes you're not allowed to do that on a single venue because obviously nope. you'd be excluded no, no. but careful you know, I mean, careful the time cards that's what i meant yeah um, and obviously the main the, the the famous one is is obviously Loeb and uh, elena on turkey in 2003 running out of fuel which uh, tony mentioned by text but yeah, that was quite a big one because um, obviously a lot of manufacturers at that point and a lot of good drivers Marco Martin Petzolberg Richard Burns all in different cars all all fighting Loeb for, for his first title and the uh, I think he was fourth in the event after Turkey but then after that he had um, two non-finishers I think they were both gravel events um, Argentina was definitely one of them can't remember what the other one was wow. but um it was, yeah, a very tricky uh, period for Loeb, and it, that that mistake could have cost him the title that year. And who knows, would much have been different if Loeb hadn't won in 2003? Uh, I don't know, um, but yeah, interesting, uh, interesting mistake that one from Elena. And I always, uh, I just love the pictures of him smoking his fag outside the Hyundai now, and he's just, he's just, <laughs> he's such a cult character. I just imagine him as in being in a low, a low. I don't really know why. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not entirely yeah, exactly. sure whether that's that, whether culturally we can actually make reference to that these days, chat Whether somebody <laughs> takes offence, but I'm with you. It's all right. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not like a you know. It's not a, a stereotype in nationality type thing. It's just. It's just his type of character. I just see him as being like quite an um, you know an overly flamboyant and hilarious kind of um, everything going wrong, but him fixing everything in in a really unusual kind of way. That's definitely the A team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. I guess yeah. you could say. Love it when a plane yeah, comes together. History, WRC A team. Who'd you have in that? <laughs> oh, I like that. Hang on, let's stop. No, we're not going past that. That's that. That's the WRC A team, and there's a reason why each person's got to be in it. Okay, I think I think Hannibal would have to be you a Kankinen. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. With the sh- <laughs> you know, the Sharoots. Delacour is definitely Murdoch. Yeah. But what, what, mind you, you, you could argue Panizzi would fall into that category, okay? Or Gigi Gali. Gigi Gali, <laughs> now, 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 now. Gigi, 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 yeah. Definitely Gigi Gali gets that one. Um, you also need 
Who, you who would you say was mechanically well. best then who could, who could knock something back together, I suppose, which is what B.A. Barakas's role was in all this? You could um, basically make a welder out of a biro. Um, basically anyone from the 90s, 60s, 70s or 80s, isn't it, really? Yeah. Who do you reckon? I mean, McRae was quite handy, but I suppose if you did go back to someone in the, yeah, in a, in a group two, you know, uh, endurance classic where you have to be able to get pig iron and lump it together to get you through the middle of the Mombasa or something. <laughs> yeah. F- face couldn't um, be S- Sebastian Loeb. You know, cool, suave. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. We've, we've, we've just, we've just. On. We've just re- we've just created the rally A team. Then there you go. That was easy. You've got a very niche problem, and you can find them. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else can get you through the stage. Maybe you can hire. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant! Brilliant. <laughs> Group A team. Group A team. There you go. We got there in the end. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, what else have you got there, Jay? Uh, the big one, um, which which kind of is is a bit of a sort of a large unwieldy beast was the one I mentioned in the original post about how um, David Richards quite rightly cottoned on to the potential of, of digital um, streaming and stuff and online content for the WRC. And this was, you know, 2000 or so. I remember a rally sport article. I think it was an interview with him uh, years and years ago. It must have been about 2000 where he sort of mentioned how important it was and we could, you know, potentially lead the world uh, in, you know, online sport and coverage and stuff. And at the time, it seemed so pie in the sky, you know, dial up internet was, was standard and, and the whole idea of, of chasing, chasing, you know, a rally around and doing it live must have seemed almost impossible. But, you know, in the fullness of time, it's, it sounds like a great idea and it's obviously come to pass. But we missed the boat, I think, when it could have been a really unique selling point. I suppose the downside is that it would have had its own set of niggles and downsides because technology always does. But considering how the WRC was you know passed from pillar to post throughout most of you know the mid the mid noughties to you know recently. I think it would have been quite good to have invested early on, <clears throat> had a bit more stability. But that's hindsight. <laughs> yeah, very much, very much. I think I I I think that was it, perhaps in a. I I've still got a lot of the Rally Excess magazines from mm-hmm. way back. Uh, they're all in my mum's, and she keeps on. Nig- pushing me to get rid of them all but mm. whenever I go there I go disappearing upstairs into my old bedroom and find the box of them and dig them out and I seem to remember an article very similar to what you, you you've just described and I suppose the question is um, if the infrastructure have been put in place earlier albeit as you say not to put too fine a point on it in a not great way could potentially we have done more damage Jay than than good well, I suppose so. That's it. I mean, that, that's that's what we'll never know, right? Um, but equally, it, it was it, people. I mean, I think rallying has always struggled because unless you're attuned to it and care enough, then it's quite a complex thing to get your head around. I think unless you're, you know, obviously unless you're steeped in it and, and like cars and motorsport. So combining that with the fact that it's not something you can just sit down and watch on a Sunday afternoon live like F1. I think there was always the danger that we lost so much momentum and following because of it. It didn't really find a decent home for much of the last 15 years. But, you know, as you say, it would have been, you know, prone to technical issues and things. Mm. I was talking to, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, I'm trying to think who it was, Jack. Um, and again, this is the kind of the age old debate and the age old problem. Uh, and, um, 
I'll tell you who it was. I'll, it was um, George Lepley's dad, Jason. Uh, and we were talking about coverage and I was talking about, uh, we were talking about going to rallies and stuff like that and, you know, early rallies. And I was saying about when I went to my first rally, Jack, which, of course, uh, where I'm based now is literally about three quarters of a mile away from where I watched that very stage. Um, now, that you know, we're privileged enough. We're, we're, we're in a state, stately home where we're, where we're based um, and where we record this. But the the fact of the matter is, you know, people are not going to the, uh, you know, have we lost something with the stately home stages that hooked people into rallying for the rest of the year to go and search it out? I suppose is the question. Yes. Um, mm, bit clunky. I still- that. That's all right. I know what you're getting at, um, and I think we've I think we've done that in recent years. To to be fair, I mean, obviously not with the we've not been to Chatsworth House or Nosey Safari Park or anything like that recently. But as, you know, we had Old Park last year, and um, you know, I still think the impetus is there to try and take rallying a bit closer to the people. Obviously, Landudno probably didn't work out exactly as the teams wanted in terms of how that went down as a service park. But yeah, I think the ideas are there, and uh, you know, fundamentally, it's very difficult to. You know, in uh, the, the the problem Rally GB is facing is that it's difficult to um, you know to leverage. Uh, you know, you can't just close down Manchester or Liverpool for the day as the WRC because it's not you know it's not big enough anymore. It's not considered a uh, you know worth the the hassle for that. But obviously, like countries like Mexico, just you know can just shut down Guanajuato and and stuff like that. That's mega. I think it's a, it's a UK centric problem that one. I think. Um, but yeah, I think going back to the original point Jamie made, uh, I think. I'm probably a bit on the. Um, I think my opinion may be a little bit unpopular with with rally fans, but I, I think it says more about David Richards than it does about the WRC or anything like that in terms of what he was suggesting, because it just shows he was a bit of a visionary and you know was having these ideas. You know, he wasn't the first person to have the idea that things were going to be on the internet, but he was. You know, in a in a motorsport context, he was one of the first people to suggest that it was going to be, you know, as big as it's become. Um, you know, which is which is mega. But I don't think the infrastructure. You know, if you look at you mentioned um, all live earlier, Tony, and that had a lot of problems when it started up. Um, and and that was was that twenty seven. That was start of twenty seventeen, wasn't it? So you know, we're talking about David Richards having these thoughts in you know the mid two thousands. The obviously it would have been to a much smaller extent than having all live, but I don't think the infrastructure was there, and I don't think the audience was there to um, you know consume the the data and information information that he was suggesting in in the way that he suggested it was going to happen. I think it was very much a you know this is how the future is going to look, and I think a lot of people have read into it like you know David Richards was suggesting that. Um, you know, rallying should be the whole internet in 2007, which was not what he was suggesting. He was he was talking about it over a, you know a long period of time, and maybe if the infrastructure would have been put in place um, as as he suggested, then you know maybe maybe it would have you know given rallying a bit of a you know a bit of a push. But I, I don't think it made a massive difference. Really. I think it just shows that he was a visionary who you know worked out what was going to happen before it happened. Something just come to me. If you're going to add to that, Jay, before before I move on. I was going to say that I've actually found uh, the, the article on about it. it was from the launch of Rally Sports or Rally Sports relaunch in November 1999. And I was wrong about it being uh, a complete Q&A. It was a piece where he is interviewed about it, as were Andrew Carroll and various others. Um, and it's, it's even earlier than I was expecting then, Jamie. 99, yeah, exactly. 99 and, and, did you say? 
99, November yeah. of 1999. You were right about, I mean, it, it makes very clear that, you know, it's, it's not something that he envisions Univision's being able to sort of take off until some point in the, you know, the distant future. But he certainly had his finger on the board of what, it, what the potential was. Think on the pulse, even for you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it, it was on his finger was on something. There you go. There you go. It was easy. Um, uh, one that's just come to me is, and, and again, completely and utterly left field. And I suppose uh, it's, it, it boils back to that alternative universe thing which you started, Jack. So I blame you for this. Um, I was just remembered about um, the Duval story, supposedly Jack turning down five years at M Sport for one year at Citroen. Yeah, that went well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight again, but still, that's, I mean, that's one heck of a deal, isn't it? That's long-term security for, you know, presumably at a slightly reduced performance at the time, or all eggs in one basket. Jack, I think, I think it was coming down to the fact that he was, Stefan Prevo, um, again, that's it's like our go-to episode that for everybody when everybody tests it. I think Stefan Preville probably sums him up uh, far better than anybody uh, ever could uh, on on that particular episode that Stefan joined us. But I think he backed his own talent to 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 to, to beat Loeb. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think that says more about Absolute Rally that we talk about people like uh, Duval too much because we're always going back to the Prevo podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about uh, the likes of Duval and uh, yeah, uh, Lefebvre and uh, I guess Novikov and uh, some some people like that too much. But I don't think that's possible. That's very gravel crew, isn't it? That to be talking about not very much pe- so. people like that a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, obviously. Uh, uh, in the in the long term, very uh, very uh, poor decision on his behalf. But you know, I think you know, listening to you know, having the knowledge of that um, Prevo podcast, you know, it was very clear that Deval was very up and down. And um, although he had the the you know the the inherent talent, you know that 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 wasn't going to come out over the course of a you know a whole season or, or consistently. And e- even if it was um, you know a four or five year deal, as as you mentioned. Tony, um, I'm not sure, you know that that Malcolm would have uh, put up with that. You know, we, we've all seen contracts signed for for five, ten years, and last a year or two or three. You know, there's always a way to get out of a contract, and we've even seen Malcolm, you know, uh, let drivers out of their contracts early or, or get rid of them and then bring them back repeatedly. Obviously, we don't need to go into any detail of that. Everyone knows the story of the likes of Oit Tanak and uh, and people like that. So yeah, I, I'm even. Uh, it's obviously on the on the face of things it looks like a very very bad decision and and, and I think it was a bad decision but um, I don't think he was going to get five years at (laughs) sport for sure I don't think that was going to happen nope I don't think he I don't think he had five years after after that career wise did he seems to remember that was that you know he did I think he did a couple of one-offs seems to remember a one-off in a Skoda Fabia Um, yeah he did have a one-off in a Fabia didn't he I mean it's all summed up by that where, where, where did Izara burn to the ground? Um, it's Australia, wasn't it? Australia. I think it was Australia. That's my overriding image in wherever I think of Duval and a Citroen, sadly. Yeah, it's one of those, it needs one of your names doing of that Citroen needs to be replaced by his career. <laughs> um, I guess it's one thing that's, that, that's worth thinking about when it comes to all this talk of like the WRC in the modern era, and it kind of straddles everything, is the economic crash because you know no matter what happens you know the link between 2006 or so and now is that 
everything went wrong. There was no far less money, less drives, you know, impacts whether, you know, if McRae had come back full time, whether he'd have had the gig for long, not going to suck around at that level. Um, and obviously, you know, the Duval thing as well. He might not have been out on his ear if the economic crash hadn't been so, you know, uh, hadn't wrecked everything. Mm. I'm just trying, who came in, who came into Citroen? Was it Danny Sordo who came in the following year to, to, to partner Loeb? You should know this, Jack. Are we talk, well, um, friends, what year we're talking about? Who came in after Duval? What was the year that Duval had that? Because he was with the, he was in the, Focus. Five, wasn't it? No, I think it was six. You know, because I think he was in the focus. I I seem to remember him in an 05 focus. Because in 06 though, wasn't uh, it was uh, wasn't it Kronos year when they were running with the yeah Seb in the. Well, that's yeah. probably what it was then. I think it was the Kronos year, and they had Xavier Pons. Yeah, and Sordo for the second half of the year. Yeah, there nah. you go. That 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 one put that one to bed. There you go. Well done, team. Well done, team. <laughs> Um, I suppose, believe it or not, boys, we're, we're heading towards that the magic hour, as we call it in in podcast land. But um, I don't think the absolute rally fans will call it the magic hour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we call them fans. I think we just, I think what, what we've what we've got is absolute rally tutters. People people who like to listen but just sorting up. I can't believe they mentioned Duval again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a cult at this point, isn't it? <laughs> a what? Sorry. A cult. Oh, sorry, no, I, I didn't, didn't genuinely miss you then. <laughs> and and, and, no, and Novikov and yeah. uh, Lefebvre yeah. got mentioned as well. I thought that, that, that was a bit harsh. That was a bit harsh. I <laughs> I, I can't, um, apart from the biggies, as we said at the top, that, you know, and I suppose we open this up now to our listeners and obviously to the guys who, who also post on the Gravel Crew as well. And I realised this kid running, running, run. Um, we'll miss loads of obvious ones that when we stop doing this we'll go oh should I mention that one should I mention that one by all means folks um, tweet them to us absolute underscore rally uh, or studio at absolute rally.co.uk and we will follow up on them um, at a later date we will revisit this to remember all the ones that we forgot because I guarantee when we stop recording um, we'll think of others and then Ryan Champion will listen to this and send me a message saying A why wasn't I doing it and B why didn't you mention this, 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 and this? So we will definitely revisit this anyway. But um, Tony, have you, do, you, do you remember the Christmas quiz when we were thinking of drivers with the same letters from for oh. the first name and surname for a, for about an hour into the quiz? Yeah. Uh, like Costi Katimaki, for example. Yeah. Uh, I've just done it again. How good's that? <laughs> um, but also, I feel like that's that, that this episode is like that because every time I'm listening to you two talking, I'm thinking, hmm, I'm kind of bouncing off what you're saying and some of the names that you're yeah. mentioning. They like <laughs> immediately associate one name with another, and then that that kind of you know produces another one. So yeah, I mean, in the last ten minutes, I thought of the effect of Dieselgate and VW pulling out um, on, on the WRC, and I think we're still seeing the effects of that one. Even, I, thought even now, to, so. I thought you were going to go to your alternative universe again, then on me, Jack. No, well, you could go to an alternative <laughs> universe with that one and decide, you know, if if they'd have all stayed at VW, all the drivers, what would have happened then, and who would have got their breaks, and uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been a that would have been a really interesting one to to go over, but maybe not um, to, to not not one to include in this disastrous hour. <laughs> I mean, my my favourite low level alternate universe is the one where uh, the Octavia WRC crushed the world and took several drivers to world championships, but that. That, well, that, should, that should have come to pass. As long as that was the day, Oriel, I'd be happy with that. Hey, do you know what? I, no, Bruno Terry for me. 
Bruno Terry. Bruno Terry deserves ten world titles because if we, can, if we can use our alternate universe powers for him to go back and win Corsica, that would just be that would be to avoid that, that puncture. That would be it. That would be mega. That would, that would be great. I would love that. That would be completely awesome because I've never met Bruno. Uh, I'd love to because uh, he just looks a genuinely nice guy. Mm. I can imagine him to be a lovely guy. And if he turned up in a Skoda Octavia as your Uber, because that's all I ever think of when I see them, um, that would be mega. <laughs> oh, that, would, that, that, that would be mega. Um, but, but, um, but, but yeah, after, I, I feel like a broken record. I'm sure I've mentioned this several times. Um, the Octavias, did I say to you, I must have told you this story before, Jamie. You know they were bought by a company in the UK, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so they were bought by ProSpeed. Uh, a guy called Ollie Marshall, who was doing BRC and Junior World Championship and stuff like that at the time. Craig Parry, funny enough, was sat with him. And Jamie Edwards, who you'll know for Rally for Wales and various other things, mm-hmm. um, he was working at ProSpeed at the time, and he was part of uh, part of the deal to get them all over here. And they were all different. Yeah, all the cars, yeah. yeah all the, <laughs> because they were all built in different workshops, and they were all very, they were all looked the same, but all very slightly different. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so and allegedly, I got told this by somebody else that the Octavia, Octavia obviously was replaced by the Fabia, and the Fabia inspiration came from the fact that, and I use this word massively allegedly, that somebody who was involved with the Fabia um, went and got a two hundred six. And they went and had a really good look at a 206 World Rally car, basically. I mean, that is the epoch-defining WRC car, isn't it? The 206, that's the sea change between, you know, booted Impreza's and Octavia's and, and Cordoba's and a sort of tiny thing with a, a wheel on each corner and really cleverly packaged. You've just mentioned, you've just mentioned something that, I, that, that, that was on the page, which I wanted to mention, of course. <laughs> you've had a bit of a love in with Cordoba's recently. Me? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just find myself drawn to sort of slightly hopeless failures anyway just because it's more interesting do you know if you've got a partner never ever say that in front of them Jay. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's never right. ever so. going to end well for you trust me I'm speaking from experience sorry continue <laughs> <laughs> um, no that was about it I mean I, I think you know the Cordoba because it, it only seems to well, it existed for a handful of years so it's, it's, it's 98 is the the debut of the, the the first pre-facelift and it's gone by the end of 2000 um and uh yeah i've just always loved it i think they're a great looking car um obviously performed well at lower levels but i guess the the, the volkswagen stretch budget didn't help um no. but it also seems strange that i mean they didn't they couldn't build based on the ibiza which they wanted to or at least they, they didn't think they could which is obviously how peugeot presumably how you got to this point because peugeot's with the big, bump, the the big bumpers, the big bumpers yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to just to ruin that brilliant insight on the Cordova, my my only uh, additional point is it looked great on PlayStation games. Did Colin McRae Rally too? Yeah. I, I, you know, I can remember it, and I've got it on a VHS tape somewhere. I should probably should should send it to VHS rallies, but it means to be going through boxes of tapes. I can remember, and it, it, it I'm, I'm adamant this happened, but. By all means, somebody can put me straight if I'm wrong. I can remember one doing Lurgan Park, the Lark in the Park. Yeah, Evans had one, didn't they? Yeah, that's it. There you go. Thank you. And I've got that somewhere on video, that Lark in the Park. 
That's also the one where is it Simon Jean Joseph's old Impreta gets tripped over a tree stump and there's this really slow, crunchy roll, like an immaculate Impreta WRC. And, and it's one of those, well, really slow motion rolls where no one gets physically hurt, but you see every panel being slowly deformed and your bank balance emptying. Yeah, I, do you know what it could be? I can't remember that, but I can just remember. I always remember being fascinated by, by Lark in the Park because we've got i i grew up in inner city liverpool and we had a park uh right next to us and to be fair there was some serious joy riding in there and i always thought that maybe they, they could just up the ante by numbering the cars um, <laughs> because we definitely had the infrastructure to do something like that albeit with stolen cars but there you go that's 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 stay away from the stereotypical did they, did they fire any of the cars into the liver building did they fire any of the cars into the liver building uh, no thank god Idiots. I know. True colour, day. Yeah, idiots. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. There are some uh, sensible ones out there. Well, I grew up with, you've got to remember, we're going very left field here. 90% of my family is season six holes at Anfield. So I have to say that because blood's thicker than water. Um, But as. who, Who also said that custard is actually thicker than blood, so you should love trifle more? Anyway, I got, uh, that's an Eddie Izzard joke. That's an Eddie Izzard joke for you. There you go. Um, and, and what a nice way to finish an Eddie Izzard joke. So, um, boys, that's that, that, as I say, that has been pretty much the, the magic hour. Um, so it's, it's, it's been wonderful to talk balls dropping. <laughs> if, ever was, if ever there was a term for a podcast, ball dropping. Um, <laughs> So thank you for that, and and this is by no way the end of the ball dropping episodes because we'll make we'll probably make more of those. Um, but uh, as we said before, by all means, um, tweeters send us a message on Facebook. You know to do that. Obviously, you can get into contact with Jamie via the Gravel Crew page, uh, Absolute Underscore Rally on Twitter, and Gravel Crew. Also, you can find those guys there. And but that's it. It's been fun. It, it as ever non scripted. We didn't know where it was going to go. We just had a few rough ideas of gaffes or balls being. I need to stop saying that, I really do. Um, Jay, thanks for joining us, mate. No worries, thank you very much for having me on. Ah, great, great, great. And, and Jack, um, you, you can get back to roundy roundy stuff now. Oh, thanks very much. No, it's all right, you've got to go on in a, you've got to go on in a crust, brother. You've got to go on in a crust. Um, folks, thank you for the download. Um, there will be one more episode next week before we call time on season 20. It's bizarre as though it seems that we are in season 20 and also bizarre though it seems because genuinely we, we've got no idea what's going on with regards to rallying. And as I always say, I'm not going to just put stuff out for the sake of it. We'll always do stuff that's fun or informative or whatever. We won't just talk round and round in circles because that's roundy roundy and we don't do roundy roundy. So. <laughs> Unless Jackson, obviously, will refer to it. But there you go. Um, anyway, folks, we'll be back same time, same place. New Look Podcast Hold next week. This is the Absolute Rally Podcast. Thanks to Jamie and Jack for, for joining us on the pod about, yeah, dropping the ball. I, I, I'll never tire of saying that now because I do it on quite a regular basis anyway. But um, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody for, for, for all the nice things um, that have been shared and obviously donations that have been made. We've been sent copies of some of the donations that people made. Absolutely amazing. Obviously, the, the whole ethos about, about these series of pods was about just kind of tipping the hat, I suppose, to, to frontline workers, and you know if we could donate anything, yada yada yada. That was that was 
pretty much what we were trying to do and uh, we've we've managed to do it and Kiel that have been trying to do stuff as well and we're still working towards that so that's still ongoing behind the scenes we just had news now that the WRC will be restarting with uh, with Rally Estonia, which is exciting. Obviously, they ran a candidate event last year, so they've got infrastructure in place. Um, so that gives us an idea now of we'll go missing now for around a month. Uh, so we'll have a sabbatical of a month before we come back uh, as a pod. We are working also on some additional bits and pieces with regards to a documentary and um yeah, if you enjoyed 95, I think you'll enjoy what we're doing. And I'm not going to jinx it by saying it because we're just waiting for a few pieces to fall into place. We guess that we've never spoke to before um, and are a major part of the story that we're going to be trying to tell. So um, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But I'm working on it. We're working on it. We're reaching out to people. And um, yeah, it will be of the ilk of 95. And if you've not listened to our 95 documentary, of course, a two-parter with regards to the 1995 season. And of course, obviously, Colin won the championship but it's the story behind all the other things that were going on behind the scenes at all the other teams and, and everything else and we've had some really nice things said about it people are still downloading it and we really really do appreciate it it's a piece of work we're all really really proud of so yes yeah, so I'll keep spreading the love on that one and, but there you go so listen uh, it's been 10 episodes they've been very different as I keep saying um, we, we genuinely had a, a rough idea of what we were going to put out um, we've been a little bit flexible with some we've had some great guests stories that perhaps have not been told before or, or maybe wouldn't have had the, the, the space to breathe in order to tell them so we've been glad to be able to do that and um, you know maybe we'll do more stuff like that in the future anyway but uh, we've got WRC back which is exciting and I just genuinely hope that leading up to it you know nothing to it to the detriment happens really and um, we're still in the midst of this crisis and it's not going to go away overnight there's still so many things going on all over the world um, with regards to it and um, yeah just stay safe and stay well and, and you know keep being nice to one another I think because it's still a stressful time for us all whether it's business friends you know social aspect or whatever it may be um, you know just just keep looking after one another that's all I say we've got an amazing family in Rally and uh, we need to keep looking after one another so there you go so that's been 10 episodes of season 20 and who'd have thought we got there it's it's been the strangest 10 episodes in many ways because of the time span that it's covered um, I think I've ever made of podcasts in the 10 years or so that I've been making so strange old time one that I guess we'll look back on in many years time and go do you remember that so there you go anyway uh, I'm, 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 I'm wittering on as ever so it's been great thank you for the downloads keep spreading the love keep spreading the word and uh, we'll be back same time same place in the podcast all in a month's time Absolute Rally powered by the Kielder Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week 